Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusuf. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I'm Tobias and I'm back again with Yusuf. What's up? Hey, Toby. All good here. I do have news though. I attended this was last week. So I attended a real in person live workshop for two days with actual people. Yeah, with with, with real human. Yeah, with real human beings. And for that to happen, I needed to travel about four hours in Finland to get to this other city. So I drove there on the previous night, we had the workshop for two days. Uh, it was eye opening in the sense that it's been about two years since I last had a chance to do something like this, because normally everything is over Teams or Zoom or whatever. And what sort of surprised me, but at the same time, I knew to expect this. It's exhausting. You go there, you have breakfast with the people, you you sort of transform into the workshop mode, you work until four or five, then you go get changed, you have the dinner, a couple of drinks, so it's easily a 10 hour day times two. So it was fun, it was exhausting. But then when I came back home, I started thinking, have I really been doing this five days a week for 15, 20 years, perhaps, but now I do two days after a two year break. And I feel yeah, I, I don't <laughs> want to do this again ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I can relate, because it's you're kind of it's kind of convenient the way we work now, you know, that the world has kind of fallen into the shape of working from home as well. But I really do miss these events, perhaps not all the logistics around it, especially with in my situation, I've got two kids and the family, and there's a lot of routines around that. So just, you know, getting permit to get out of the house for a couple of days is also really hard. So you have to choose the battles really carefully for when you when you want to do something like that. Yeah, I, I fully agree on that one. Even then, it was fun. I'm I'm not envisioning uh, doing another one in the next few months. So perhaps this will give me the sort of energy for the coming months as well. So that's, that's probably top of mind for me. How about for you? So for me, I've spent some time doing some courses with Harvard Online. I think I mentioned this a couple of months ago as well. Uh, during early winter or, or so. So this is to kind of further my views and knowledge in areas that I have room to grow and, and that I know I need to improve. I think that's a pretty great experience uh, because you can run through these courses at your own pace. What I like about that is uh, a lot of the courses you attended in the past, even if it was online, was at a, a fixed schedule at a very precise time. For example, 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. my time, which would be dinner time with the family. and if you do that three nights a week, it's going to be pretty cumbersome to, you know, get that allowance from the family, if you will. So with this, I can do most of the things in those courses whenever I want, asynchronously, just like every day at work when we do things asynchronously over Teams or whatever. So I really like that aspect. And then every now and then you have a, a seminar or a webinar where everyone is on, or if you need to do a presentation. That obviously happens during fixed hours where everyone is there, so you can have a dialogue and conversation. But most of the time is uh, asynchronous, and you can work in groups asynchronous as well. 
So I could kind of team up with other people from Europe and do some group assignments and get some work done, which I think is fairly uh, a fairly good setup, especially today, because I, I'm avoiding all, all the hassle you just mentioned about the, the traveling and the logistics. I'm avoiding that, but I'm studying with people all over the world in business areas that I need need to kind of grow in and, and areas where I know that I need to uh, kind of ramp up or where I'm interested to learn things I don't know. So perhaps this is for me a preparation for some further studies during winter, which is a bit outside of the you know the deep tech sphere where most of the time we spend today is in. So more on the uh, business side and, and startup side and understanding you know the growth of a business in the tech space as opposed to building the tech that makes the business grow. This is about building the company behind it. So um, a couple of different angles, which is totally different from what I do on a daily basis. So always fun to learn something new, but I really like this format. So definitely a shout out to these online platforms where you can now kind of do these things with great professors. There are great co-students and, and everything just seemed to work really well. So I'm, I'm super happy about that. So, so perhaps there's somebody listening in on this. Uh, would you be able to share the link to some of these Harvard online courses that you've been eyeing on or perhaps attending? Because if somebody's listening on this, they might go, well, I need to have a look at those as well. Yeah, of course. So I'll, I'll plug this into the show notes. And, and they have a, just like MIT and all these other, they, they have a, a wide range of courses you can do online. So I'll, I'll just plug the ones I've taken a look at and I can put them in the show notes and you can take a look if that's something that's interesting. And if it is, feel free to reach out to me at Zimmergren on Twitter and uh, we can catch up on that if there's something you need to know. Sounds good, sounds good. So today, this is episode 104 already. Uh, becoming an Azure architect with the new AZ305 certification. So this is an update on the Azure Solutions Architect Expert certification. Have you, have you done this the, the current version before we get to the new bits. Can you ask me about one of the other certifications and I can say yes? You did do the Azure developer one, right? I did the developer one because I've spent a fairly long time in the dev space of Azure. So I did that one with no preparations and that was fairly off the bat. This one, I, I think I would need some preparation to understand what's going to be in the, in the test. I, again, even if you work with Azure every single day and you spend a lot of time building architectures and signing architectures and building systems and integrating them, there are so many things that you can do in Azure. So without understanding what's actually coming into the test or what's going to be on the test, it, it's difficult to just do it ad hoc. So I think perhaps after this episode, because that's why I think this is a good idea, because now I can pull it out of your brain, put it into my brain so I, I can prepare for my studies. Uh, so the short answer is no, I have not taken this one yet, but it's definitely on my radar. So so traditionally, if you wanted to become an Azure architect, obviously you can just start working as an architect, but also completing the certifications, it makes sense because preparing for those, it exposes you to certain areas that you might not have a chance to work in a real project. So traditionally, that has been the AZ 303 and 304, uh, those two would complete the Solutions Architect Expert, 
And then before that, you would have to do the Azure Administrator Associate, which is a Z104. So three exams in total. And the Admin Associate, the, the 104, that's more hands-on. That's more about uh, setting up virtual machines, setting up virtual networks, understanding DNS, all sort of the, the, the crucial IT pro angles in Azure. And the 303 and 304, the two Azure Solutions Architect Expert certifications, they have been more about design and security and sort of envisioning the big picture and not focusing that much on, on the uh, hands-on tasks, if you will. So now what the change is, and this was announced, I think about a week ago. So the change is, is going to be that the AZ303 and 304, those two will retire end of March, 2022. And AZ305 will replace those two. So starting from March, end of March, the latest, you have to do AZ104 and AZ305. Those two, and you're good to go as an Azure Solutions Architect expert. I think it becomes okay. a little bit easier, but now you have a new exam where you need to prep instead of sort of looking at the two familiar ones that have been around for a couple of years now. I think this makes sense from a lot of angles, but what I like about it is, you know, for some people taking the certification is the kind of end goal. For me, I don't collect the badges, if you will, but it's fun. Of course, when you take a certification, you are proud of that. But it's the journey of the learning because every time I've studied for a certification, like when I did the AC500 for security, that took a couple of weeks of pretty intense studying. But I remember a lot of that and I carry that with me every single day in everything I do. So I think like really pushing this with point efforts uh, along with the experience that you carry every day through the business, this is a, a, an awesome thing to do. Even if it's a new set of certifications, maybe they're testing different things. That's also good because it's probably replaced for a reason. Outdated material, outdated technologies, outdated services, things change all the time in the cloud, which is also why, and I think we talked about this in one episode, where you have these kind of reassessments of your skills after a year or after two years or whatever it is. After you pass an exam, you can do this reassessment or you have to kind of retake a quiz uh, to test your basic skills you know, relevant to that exam, which I recently did for the AC500. And I think I'm up for doing the developer one now as well. So I, I think it's a good thing they, they kind of replace them every now and then because you need to stay relevant and have the knowledge um, that is up to date. Whereas if you took a certification three years ago, it doesn't tell me anything because in those three years, several services has been deprecated. Services has changed. APIs are different architectures look different. We have new cloud models. We have different design patterns. Everything is changing all the time. So I think that's actually a pretty good thing. The only downside is now I need to find you know the link to this and start studying on something new. <laughs> so obviously there's a, an uphill battle if you want to take it, but for all the best reasons. So And that is you know, just gaining the experience and knowledge you need to solve the real problems in the real world. Indeed. Last week, when I was done with my two-day workshop, I got back home. And on the next two days, I did a delivery of the Power Platform Fundamentals training for a class. This was virtual. 
So that's the PL900. And that's an interesting uh, certification course. And I'm mentioning this now because what you just said about the continuously updating content and services. I'm doing the PL900 and in one of the slides, they start talking about the common data services, which obviously is now called Dataverse. And somebody who was who was tuning in to the class asked me, so what's this? And I said, well, actually, it should be Dataverse and it should be updated here as well. But sometimes the training content is not up to date on today's situation. So now with the AZ305, I had a quick look at the requirements. So there's a separate documentation with the requirements for this specific new certification exam. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. So it's about 25% is designing identity governance and monitoring. 25% is designing data storage. About 10-15% is designing business continuity solutions, essentially backup and disaster recovery. And the, and the last bit, about 25%, is infrastructure solutions. So I feel it's a bit more lightweight than the two previous ones, 303, 304. But perhaps it's, it, it feels a little bit more deeper, if you will. So it's a vast area. There's identity and backup and the IT pro stuff and, and the business angle as well. But looking at the at the topics here in this specific documentation, I, I feel it's still very close to the old ones, but perhaps they, they let go of some of the topics that were not needed anymore for this one. So the AZ305 will become available in November 2021. It's in beta now, so if you're listening this right now when we publish this episode, you can already enroll and start doing it. But if you want to wait until the beta is completed, then that will happen in November. I think it would happen close to Ignite this year. It would make sense. <laughs> Pause the recording so I can go to the link. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so what if you're doing now the old ones? So Toby, I know you're not actively prepping for the, uh, for the 303 and 304, but if you're currently prepping for those if you haven't passed 303 yet the first one i would perhaps then just stop on those and focus on the 305 because much of the content is is, is shared between these three exams but if you already passed 303 then what you can do you can do 305 or before march you can do 304 and then just be happy with those and achieve the the architect expert certification and when it becomes time to renew then you can assess the situation and figure out what to do then but that would be two years from now yeah so on my side definitely going for the az305 because i i haven't started with 303 or 304 i think so i mean i've eyeballed a lot of the things and i've worked with some of the things that i know are in in those exams so I will definitely take a look at the uh, 305 to see what's in there. And and I just like you say, I think that makes sense to target that one instead if you haven't done the other ones. Also, because at some point when an exam retires, at least for me in our company, we have gold partner competencies and silver competencies in our partnership with Microsoft for various things. 
And sometimes they retire certifications from there. So they're no longer valid for the gold competence or for the silver competence or for whatever in, in different areas. So perhaps that's also a reason that I'm looking at more from the uh, company perspective, and just not myself, but also the company perspective. In this case, I think it definitely makes more sense to take the 305 because the expiration date of that is going to be further down the line than the other two, uh, which will then uh, start retiring in March 2022. Although that said, I don't know what's going to happen in the partner center if, they, if they're going to say they're going to be valid for just as long as 305. But I'm saying this because this year and last year, we had several people in the company had uh, a bunch of certifications that were uh, made redundant or that they expired or retired from validation in the partner center, saying you achieved gold in this and this and you had silver in that and that, but you're going to lose those because you know five of the people in the organization had these certifications, but they no longer are valid for that competency. So they have to replace it with something else. Uh, so I think there's that angle, but I haven't I haven't taken a look at if these certifications specifically will expire in the partner center or not. But something to keep in mind uh, if you at all are in charge of those things. If you're only doing certifications for yourself and your own benefit, uh, you don't have to care about that. Then you just do whatever you need to. Uh, again, probably the AC three hundred five if you haven't done anything else. Uh, but if you do work in an organization where you're part of kind of the planning for the competencies of the company, then it might make sense to take a look at if there's any upcoming expirations inside of the partner center as well. This is a really good point. So as a Microsoft partner company, you often want to optimize the effort because you're you're mobilizing your employees to do work to achieve the competencies. So just today, it would be easier to prepare for 303 and 304 and you'd still have about, what, four or five months left, which I think is more than enough to pass these two exams. Uh, one reason for this being that on Microsoft Learn, there's no learning path yet available for this new exam. So if you're already planning to do the architect exam, all of the training material, all of the self-preparation, all of the learning paths, everything is ready for the old ones now. So perhaps continue on that path if you just want to get this done. But personally, if you want the latest and greatest, you go with the AZ-305 and be happy with this. Um, on the exam, uh, two weeks ago, I did the, uh, the SC-200, which is the Security Operations Analyst exam, the, the, the basic security exam. And, and this is about the same, the AZ-305. So it's about 40 to 60 questions once it's out of beta. If you go to the beta, you might get more questions. Uh, you have two hours, you need to achieve 700 points. 1000 is, is max, no point in going beyond 700, because you pass with 700. So aim low. But uh, you can do this from home, or you can travel to a physical test center. One of the challenges for me, I don't know, Toby, if you have the same challenge, but if you plan on doing an exam from home, I cannot do it from my home office where I'm currently sitting at, because I do have the three displays. And they they want you to show with the laptop webcam that show, show your room so that nobody's nearby. And then they have a look at the displays and they go, yeah, you need to remove at least two of those displays but they're bolted on the table, so 
I cannot remove them. So the only place where I can do this is, for, is from my balcony. And <laughs> Finland is approaching winter real fast. So this morning it was minus three Celsius outside. So going to the balcony, you really need your winter gear on. But perhaps the next time I'm doing an exam, which is actually two days from now, I will be really gearing up so that I can survive two hours outdoors with my laptop. So I, I have a tip. I'm not sure if it's going to help you, but this is what I did. So I, I read all those instructions really carefully the first time I did an online exam. What I did, I had at the time all those three monitors on my desk. So I took a, a bed sheet and put on top of them and then on top of the desk. So it looked like a, like a just a square desk and you couldn't see the monitors at all. And then I explained to them in the camera, look, there's a, a bed sheet. My laptop is on top of the bed sheet. So if I were to access my monitors, my laptop would move, right? And they were super happy with that because the you cannot see the monitors. So, and I think that's what they check for. So the monitor doesn't turn on and you have cheats or, you know, someone is helping you on the monitor or something else. But if you cannot actually see them, if they are blocked and, and they know that there's no way you can kind of unblock them without making that really obvious, that might just work. Because I, have, I was in the same situation and I, in the first couple of times, I, I uh, demounted all my monitors, put them on the floor, unplugged the cables and I showed them, hey, look, everything is unplugged. They're like, okay, <laughs> that was a lot of effort. <laughs> uh, but now I just, I just cover it if, if I need to. Now I just have one monitor. So I turn that one around and unplug it. And they're always happy with that. So, so there's nothing else on the desk. All, all righty. So my three-year-old, he has a Paw Patrol bedsheet. I might go and borrow that and put it on top <laughs> of the monitors. That should do the trick. We will see in two days how that went. Yeah, I cannot guarantee it's going to work, but it's going to be worth a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. So... If you want to become an architect on Azure, obviously you need to work in that capacity. You need to have those projects, those deployments, but also in terms of certifications, what I feel are crucial is AZ-104, which is the admin bits, and now AZ-305, which is the architect bits. But then on top of that, I would suggest AZ-500, which is the security one that you mentioned. And then also there's a relatively new one, AZ-700, which is networking. So I feel with the combination of these four, you would have enough in-depth knowledge and also the official certifications to tackle almost anything you would need to tackle in, in a capacity that an architect working on an Azure solution would need to tackle. And I, I like that idea. I haven't eyeballed the 700, the networking one. I do have the 500 for security, 104 and 305 definitely on the radar. But I like the, to see the bigger picture here. And I would also recommend if you, if you go for, if you want to be an architect, and let's put aside certifications for a moment. But if you're an architect and you don't know security, then you're not going to be able to architect the best solution with the requirements in mind. If you're an architect and don't know networking, similarly, you might miss out on opportunities to do some cost savings because of, of configurations or um, you know, how you interlink different uh, subscriptions or resources or offices or branch offices. Uh, but I mean, uh, the bigger picture is always 
better. So the more of these things you understand, the better success you will have in building great solutions. Now, that's it. We all know that time is perhaps the thing we don't have in abundance in life. So if I were to choose, I would probably go for the 104 and 305 for the architecture stuff. And if I had to choose between 700 and 500, perhaps only because I've done the 500, I would choose that one because I know what's in it. And the security aspects here are really great. There are a lot of good things, a lot of good insights when you do the training. And there's a lot of good stuff in the certification and the exam as well. And these are things I have with me in everything that I designed today. So I think about these things. I, I think about a lot of the things that I learned during my studies and also everything that I learn, of course, on a daily basis in, in my life, working with these things. But I mean, if you want to be a chief architect or if you're going down that road to uh, you know, expanding your architecture experience, then the more, the merrier, the broader picture you have, the better. So you can be a super expert in a very narrow thing, but if you want to be the kind of Asher architect on a wider scale, then I would say go for all of them. And like you said, you don't have to score 1,000 out of 1,000. You can score 700 just past the exam. That's fine. Because if you know the components involved, if you know about these things, doesn't matter if you're an expert on peer-to-peer networking or setting up a point-to-site VPN or not, but you know that it exists and you know what it's for and you know what capabilities it has, even if you haven't actually clicked through it or run the, the CLI or set them up in a production scenario, you know that they exist, you know what they're going to be used for, and then you can make a decision whether this might be something that you can use in the scenario for yourself or your customers. So from lessons learned from, from the field from my side is the more you know about more things, the better. But that doesn't stop you from being an, an expert and diving deep into things, which I'm doing every day. But always having this broader scan of the uh, the work field is, to me at least, a very good uh, good thing because you can then make informed decisions uh, for how to design things. And if you, even if you've never done it before, you can, you then know kind of the capabilities in the cloud. You know what components and services there are, and kind of how to use them or what they're used for. And then you know at least where you need to read up or what you need to, what kind of links you need to start looking for to uh, be able to complete that requirement. So I think that's how I would approach it. I I would say I agree with you. I would definitely do the 104 and 305, then 500 for security. And, and often the feeling that I have when I study for one of these exams is that they start from the basics and they ramp up from the basics so that you have enough knowledge to understand what sort of capabilities are available, when to use what, what are the pricing components, how do they scale, how do you deploy them, how do you tweak them, and, and, and how do you combine the different capabilities and services in your designs. And I did have a look at the 700, the networking one. I haven't done that yet. I'm not rushing into that one. Uh, I, I need to do a few others before that. And just looking at, at the requirements, it's really the, it starts from the basics, TCP, IP, IPv4, IPv6, peering and routing, all fun stuff. But if, if you don't work with networking or if you're not building a hybrid solution where you need to focus on the networking capabilities, 
that's probably not the one you should focus on for now. Security is is probably something that you can utilize every day. And networking, I feel a little bit less. Alrighty, so this was becoming an Azure architect with the new AZ305 certification. Uh, we still have the unexpected question. And Toby, I think it's your turn to ask me. Okay, so I've got something for you here. Um, what's a weird but surprisingly good activity in Finland that everyone should try at least once? What an odd and unexpected question. Yeah, uh, very specific. <laughs> there, There's one activity that I, as, as a true Finnish person, haven't tried myself. So I'll, I'll just throw that quickly out first in case somebody wants to look this up on YouTube, because there, there's video evidence on this. And and literally translated, this is a competition called sneaking with a water bucket. And the whole goal is that you have two big buckets of water filled up to the, to the uh, uh, top. And then you need to sneak your way as silently as possible through this obstacle <laughs> course without spilling any of the water. And who has the most water on the finish line and with the fastest time wins. <laughs> and I've never tried this, but this is definitely something I will try next summer. But something that I feel everybody should experience is, is to go to a hot sauna. And and when I say hot sauna, it's it it shouldn't be too hot because if it's too hot, it's not fun anymore. So when I say hot, I I mean about eighty five degrees Celsius. So I did have to look this up. It's about one hundred and eighty five Fahrenheit. Go there, sit there for about twenty twenty five minutes, maybe have a have a nice cool drink with you, and then walk out from the sauna. And if it's winter time, there's often a frozen lake close to any sauna here in Finland, go for a quick swim, just a quick, you know, 10 seconds. And when you're walking back to the sauna, to the cabin, there's often, or usually, there's a lot of snow on next to the path. So when you're stark naked, roll around on the snow, perhaps 10 seconds. And when you're covered in snow, walk back to the sauna. <laughs> That's the thing. It's, it's weird. But once you've experienced this, you go, okay, let's do this again. <laughs> okay, that's a very finished thing, I'm sure. Um, we have something similar, which perhaps is not really a Swedish thing. We might have imported this one because I, I grew up and I did martial arts for 15 years. And a big portion of that was judo. And we had a sauna in the dojo. So after most of the, the trainings, we went into there. And then if it was winter, we went outside. And if it was snow, same thing, butt naked. And we did what we call snow angels. Yeah. So we, we lay down and we flap up and down with the hands in the snow. So when you then walk out of the snow, it looks like an angel was in the snow. And then we went back into the sauna. So uh, it might be a Finnish-inspired thing that we, we did there because it sounds pretty much what you did except that we didn't actually roll around. We, I think we just stayed <laughs> on our backs in the snow uh, and screamed for, for some time and then ran inside again. We might have adopted that from, from you guys. 
it, it could be, I, I can't claim it's our invention, but that's, that's the thing I grew up with. So we had two saunas in my childhood home, one outside and one indoors. The one outside you would heat with wood, the one indoors you would heat with electricity. So you could sort of choose what sort of uh, experience you'd like to have. But when it's snowing, that's what you always do. So the, the final question here, how typical is it for a household to have two saunas? Not not super typical, but I know plenty of people uh, that have two saunas, even three, because they <laughs> might have one electric, one wooden heated, and then one something imported Turkish steaming thingy. Like a steam bath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really consider those real saunas. But one sauna, everybody has one. And if you're living in, a, in an <laughs> apartment complex, you always have one in your apartment, but then there's always one shared that you can reserve for your family, let's say on a Saturday evening at five to six. And that might be a little bit different or larger than the one you have personally. So you can experience those both. Very nice. Alrighty, so perhaps in the future we'll do one recording, <laughs> close or in the sauna someday. <laughs> From the sauna, yep. Yes. Alrighty, this was fun as always. Thank you for joining us, and um, we'll hope you'll join us next week as well. All right, see you then. Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.